0: Hello, and welcome back to the Manufacturing Culture Podcast. My name is Jim Mayer. I'm your host. And today, we're about to take a thrilling ride through the world of innovation, empathy, and extraordinary leadership with a guest who's been at the forefront of both the technological and humanitarian spheres. Introducing the incomparable Dr. Ivan Rosenberg, a man whose passion knows no bounds, With a vibrant career spanning over 35 years as a management consultant, change agent, and a leader in the aerospace and defense community, he's made waves that reach far and wide. But hold on to your hats, folks, because what makes Ivan truly special is the Uniquely Abled Project. This incredible initiative changes lives by teaching and placing those with autism in exciting careers at CNC manufacturing machinists. Imagine a world where everyone's abilities shine, where individuals' unique talents are recognized and celebrated. Ivan doesn't just imagine it, he makes it happen. Ivan has been a beacon of innovation and excellence from the lecture halls of Cornell University and the University of Rochester to major organizations like NASA and Johnson & Johnson. Now, Get ready to dive into a conversation about the Uniquely Abled Project, a movement that's breaking barriers and building futures. So turn up the volume, grab a comfy seat, and join us as we explore the world through Ivan's Visionary Lens. It's an episode you won't want to miss, filled with insights that will inspire and stir your soul. Here's to the extraordinary man leading the charge. Welcome to the show, Ivan Rosenberg. This episode is brought to you by Spironi. Revolutionize your shop floor with Spironi, where cutting-edge technology meets craftsmanship. Elevate precision, amplify productivity. Spironi, experience, tradition, the future. Ivan, how are you doing, my friend? Great to have you on. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for that
1: introduction. I've uh, <laughs> I want to meet this guy. He sounds great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ivan. I've I've uh interacted with you a few times and every time you are one of the most humble human beings that I've ever spoken with. They, you you're just your passion knows no bounds, truly, and and you're very humble. Uh to to celebrate our conversation, I am wearing my Uniquely Abled t-shirt today. Uh, so if anybody's interested in uh, a Uniquely Abled t-shirt, reach out to me or reach out directly to Ivan. He can get you uh, one set up uh, and sent to your house. Ivan, let's talk about the Uniquely Abled project. Tell us about your mission, about your journey into creating this amazing uh organization and and what you aim to do.
1: Well thank you. Uh of course there's a a, a long answer to that question, so I'll I'll try and be somewhat free. <laughs> the story. Um I'm the father of two kids on the autism spectrum. And uh that's what started it. And about 10 years ago, uh when they were teenagers, um my thought, my my wife's thoughts were how are they going to support themselves? How are they going to live when we're not here anymore? Um, mm. And that is the nightmare of every parent with a special needs kid. Um, mm. What's going to happen to them when I'm not here anymore? So I started looking into that. And um, the statistics were terrible. Um, yeah. At the time, and this was you know, about 10 years ago, uh, about 17% of the people in the United States were classified as disabled. That was around 40 million people. Wow. It has doubled since then it is now 25 25 percent about 80 million people are now classified as disabled and what's really a problem is 60 to 90 percent of them are unemployed or underemployed okay and that means they're homeless they're living with their parents they're in a group home um it's in general not a great life yeah and uh so that didn't look good from the point of view no. uh, of a parent and i said my boy uh, what are we going to do and luckily i happen to be a management consultant and many <laughs> of my clients are manufacturing firms i say this because it felt to me like i just happened to be the right guy with the right background at the right time sure. and it's just like a you know being a parent being a management consultant and so on all just came together and so many of my clients, manufacturing firms, their number one problem, getting access to a skilled workforce, yeah. they they could sell it, they could make it if they could find the people to run the machines. And uh, I said, wait a minute, over here, you got millions of people who want a job, you know, they don't want to just sit around. And over here, we got millions of companies who want to hire people. These look like solutions to each other. Yeah. What's? In the way. You can hear the management consultant. I can, I can hear the,
0: the I can hear the consultant in your voice. <laughs>
1: exactly. So I said, okay, why how come this hasn't been solved? How come these two haven't, you know, solved each other? Well, the first thing that came up was language. Language creates a world. The words we use create the worlds. There are words that are not okay to say today. Absolutely, Because they create worlds that are no longer acceptable. Mm-hmm. And the world that the word disabled creates um, is one of helplessness, charity. Now, I should say, not everybody agrees with me, okay? <laughs> there are some people that are very proud of the word disabled, and that's sure. fine. I'm just saying that what tends to happen if I go to an employment manager and say, I'd like you to consider hiring Joe and Joe's disabled, what what likely happens in that employment manager's mind is, well, what ability does he lack? What's wrong with him? What sure. can't he do? What compromises am I gonna have to make if I hire him? What are yep. the dangers in hiring him? That's all the thoughts that tend to come with that word. Yeah. So I said, we gotta change the language. So I looked around and I realized, and this was one of the, the big insights, Everyone who has an employment challenge, whether it be mental, physical, or experiential, such as being a formerly incarcerated or an addict, has a compensating unique ability. Now, an obvious one are people that have vision challenges mm-hmm. because their hearing and their touch, their sense, th- their abilities in that area um, go up markedly in general, and I'm speaking statistically, but yeah. in general, they have very good hearing and very good uh, sense of touch, far beyond most you and I. Yeah, absolutely. What what nobody does is ask, well, what jobs could use that unique ability, like being a masseuse. Now, I'm not saying everybody with a vision challenge ought to be a masseuse. Sure, but clearly, if you being a masseuse, vision gets in your way. You have unique abilities in touch. And hearing, that's a real advantage in, being, yeah. in going into that particular vocation. So I said, okay, that's, and I coined the term uniquely able. And think now if I go to this employment manager and I say, I'd like you to consider hiring Joe, he's got unique abilities that are a perfect fit for the vacancy you have. Yeah. We are now in a totally different conversation. One, we're in a business conversation rather than a charity conversation. Exactly. And that's what we want when we want to find career jobs. The employment manager has got to see it as helping making a profit. That's why you hire people. So that's where the term uniquely abled came from. I love it. um, So that's, and hence the uniquely abled project.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, The... The next thing we had to look at was how are we going to implement this. Okay, so I got we saw saw these two problems, and we got the language, but how? What do we actually do to get to solve these two problems? Yeah. So it turns out there's two kinds of jobs. There's jobs which do not require prior training, such as um, deburring, washing, um, returning things to uh, to inventory, get them out of inventory, a lot of stuff yeah. like that. Even running simple machines, like a 10 ton press operator is basically that. Um, Lots of those kind of very simple, repetitive jobs. And then there are jobs which do require prior training, such as being a CNC machine operator, for example, or computer numerically controlled machine, People know what CNC stands for. Um, And that clearly, you know, nobody's going to hire you unless you've been trained in how to do that. Mm -hmm. So we approach those two jobs, Uh, differently. So for the jobs that require prior training, I went out and I looked. There's almost no successful vocational education programs for the uniquely abled. And by successful, I mean job placement. That's the name of this game. There are lots of other things that you can do. My focus, our focus is on career job placement. And if you will, that's the focus of the uniquely abled project. And um, so I said, how come, you know, with millions of dollars, maybe certainly thousands, maybe millions of people working on this problem of employment of the uniquely abled, uh, how come there's not more career vocation? Well, it turns out that there are 10 elements that are required for a successful program. You miss one element, the program doesn't work as far as job placement goes. Okay, Okay. and none of those elements are rocket science. I can go to almost any city in the country, and you can pick out one of those elements and say, find me a company or an organization that does that, and I can, with almost 100% probability, find that. So okay. in any city, all 10 elements are available, but from different organizations. And the reason there was a problem, there was no structure for collaboration. So for example, a community college, might have a CNC machine training program, but it didn't have job placement and didn't have post-hire support and didn't necessarily train managers on how to deal with uniquely abled people and so on. So it's yeah. that's a big thing. And likewise, people were providing job placement and all, but didn't have the training. Sure. So what we did is created something called the Uniquely Abled Academy. And all that is is a structure where multiple organizations can partner to seamlessly provide all 10 elements in a single program. <laughs> so from the point of view of the, the trainee or the student, from the moment they see an open house, a, a flyer for an open house, all the way through the training and the job placement, and the, all, the, all the way through to the day, the job coach says, you know, you really don't need me anymore. <laughs> it's one program. Wow, And even though maybe multiple organizations. Now, the question is, does that work? Yeah. We have the academies, and we've had, I think, opened about nine to date. There's about 16 or 17 that are in process of uh, uh, establishing. But there have been over 140 kids graduated to date, 100% graduation. And here's the magic. Close to 100% job placement. <laughs> I know of no other program. And the, you said, "Well, what? How come it's not a hundred percent?" Well, there's two prime reasons. There were a couple of kids that said, "You know, I, I've, I've taken the whole program. I've graduated, but CNC machining isn't really for me." Sure, you know, we get that. And then there was a other a few others who said, "You know, I love this. I want to get more education before I go out and get a job." Yeah. Or another way of saying the job placement. Everybody that wanted a job got one. <laughs> and that and to me, that proves the concept of these 10 elements. Yeah. Um, by the way, two other things. The employers are thrilled. These kids end up being their best employees. They show up on time. They're focused. They're wow. you know, good enough isn't. They're yeah. perfectionist. And I should say I skipped over the what we started with is autism and CNC machine operator. Because just like I illustrated, if you're going to train people in being masseuse, it's useful to find people that have a vision challenge. Yeah. If you want to train people in being a CNC operator, it's good to find people with autism. Okay. Tell Um, us more about that. Well, the the natural, again, I'm talking statistically. You got to be clear. We always say, you met one person with autism. You met one person with autism. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But there are, there are certain in general uh, similarities. Okay. So um, one of the things is they, first of all, in a way they think very logically, very process. My background's in engineering. That's how I think. Right. You know, I think in process. My wife, very relationship, very, there's no such thing as process. You know, it's all relationship and, you know, it just happens. Right. I can't think the way she does. She can't think the way I do. Right. Okay. But somebody with autism tends to think in that very logical engineers tend to think in this very logical process way, like a computer that runs a CNC machine. (laughs) Um, They tend to be, they want to, uh, they tend to look at the world black and white. They want, yeah. There's no gray, which gets them in trouble, by the way, and sure. in social interactions. But they're very precise and very logical. So they want to know, what are the rules? Well, one of the rules is you be at your machine ready to work at 8 o'clock. You never have to worry about doing that. They follow rules passionately. Wow. Um, so that, to me, they are delighted to have a job. Yeah, So they're really appreciative Um, because being a CNC operator is so matches who they naturally are that they tend not to look on it as a job. Sure. It looks like fun. In one of our videos, uh, one of the kids who is employed says, well, when I was growing up, my goal was to be a Lego designer. This is the adult version. (laughs) I love that. That's amazing. he looks on it as fun. And, of course, this is working with computers and doing, which is, you know, it's a computer-controlled machine. Yeah. Doing that stuff. But, my God, they, they're making something instead of just seeing stuff on a computer screen. And it's something that's of value to somebody else. Parts they make are going to be put and hold airplanes together. I mean, can you imagine the thrill of having that kind of job? Mm. So, um, and as I said, when you're using a CNC machine and you may have a thousand, ten thousand dollar part that you're making in there, you don't want good you don't want your employees thinking good enough. And they're yeah. perfectionists. So the slightest thing off, they'll track it down. They won't they won't say, Oh, it's good enough. So now look at it from an employer's
0: standpoint.
1: My God, you couldn't ask for anything better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how was how was the initial reaction from the manufacturing community? Did, did they immediately say, hey, this is helping us fill this this skills gap we've been talking about for 20 years? Or uh, were they a little bit hesitant and resistant? Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <laughs> I mean, like manufacturing.
1: Like <laughs> anybody. You know, look, they have this real problem. Yeah. This is a, somebody's telling them, I got a solution. But yeah. that was an unfamiliar solution, and of course, they had all kinds of myths. I remember um, I was talking to one employer, and um, at the end of the con- near the end of the conversation, he said, Man, this sounds really, really great." And then he said, "Wait a minute, how are they going to get to work?" And I oh. said, "Well, they'll either take public transportation or they'll drive their car." And he looks at me and says, "They can drive?" <laughs> I said you're hiring them to run a CNC machine. Of course they can drive. Of course they can drive. My goodness. So there's this myth of disabled that persists. So what we had to do initially and every uniquely abled academy in the different cities around the country sort of faces the same initial, uh, not reluctance, but unfamiliarity, you know, it's something new and, and it's very different than how we normally think. You're yeah. telling me these things, people are uniquely abled rather than disabled. And, right. and I've got to orient my, change my thinking. So in in general, that first cohort tends to, be, you tend to work, have to educate. True. So, and, and of course, we've done some work. We now know it enough so that as a cohort, even gets, a, uh, academy gets established. We know we got to do an education job in that city. Um, but we're dealing with a situation that's a real problem for manufacturers. Yeah. So they tend to give it a chance, right? Because yeah. they need these people. That first cohort goes in, and of course the employers talk to each other, even though they may be competitive, they talk to each other. Yeah, And they start telling, you wouldn't believe these people I just hired. They're really, really great. <laughs> There's zero problem hiring the second, third, and fourth cohort. Oh, in man. in one of our um, uh, Uniquely Able Academies in Santa Clarita, uh, Valencia, uh, I think they're now on their fourth cohort. The employers fight over the uh, graduates. They actually try and get in there early. They want to know when the graduates' graduation is going to be. <laughs> um, it was interesting. The head of that said, um, so um, how long does it take after graduation before they have got a job. You know, the employers hired them and they're ready. They're they've got a place to work. And he said, Oh, anywhere from a month to two and a half months. And he said, Oh man, it it takes them that long to get an offer. He said, Oh no, within the first couple of days, they get three or four job offers. (laughs) It takes them that long to figure out which one they're going to accept.
0: That's amazing. So what's their process? I mean, being uniquely abled, I'm sure they've got a different process of, uh, Evaluating which company they want to go work for. So, how how do a lot of them, and and again, speak in generalities because we can, right? Um, but how is their thought process a little bit different in how they evaluate which company they want to go work for? Um, yes and no. Again, everybody's different, of course. Sure.
1: And um, in our training, uh, in the job readiness curriculum that we use. There is a whole section on how do you choose? How do you find a company? And how do you select which one you're going to go with? Um, and there's probably a huge list. Uh, one of them, of course, is the willingness of the company to adapt, adopt somebody with unique abilities. Um, yeah. Just listen, is there one of the concerns they always have is well, how am I going to have, what compromises am I going to have to make? What do I have to do to accommodate? It yeah. turns out very little. Um, you know, there's there's hearing um, and eyesight protection. You know, sometimes a uniquely ill person is sensitive to sound. Sure. Cool. In a machine shop, everybody's wearing headset and yeah. everybody's wearing eye protection. Yeah. Um, they may be sensitive to um, oil slick or stuff like that. And we try and select for that in the training. So you don't, okay. you don't bring people in who aren't going to make it in the industrial world. So that's, yeah. but you want somebody who um, is going to be willing to learn themselves a little bit because do you, you have to speak a little differently.
0: Uh, right. We
1: train the instructors the same way. Um, people with autism tend to be quite literal. Mm. They They don't, Get, remember, they're black and white. So innuendos, or gray, or analogies, some cat often get misunderstood. So, for example, if I say Joe kicked the bucket this afternoon, <laughs> why is Joe kicking a bucket around? I don't understand.
0: <laughs> Was but, the bucket empty? <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. So you, you got to watch that. You got to be very black and white. Even such things as make sure your machine is clean at the end of the day. Now. Most of us, okay, that's fine. Except for somebody with autism, what's end of the day? Yeah. What What are you talking Well, if you say, before you leave, you know, at the end of the, the, the work, at the end of the day, make sure your machine is clean. Well, what does it mean to have your machine clean? Well, it's useful to have a list and Got say, it. tools in the toolbox, no oil, no metal scrapes, like that. Yeah. Okay, now I understand. Now you can use that terminology. Yeah, and there's a, so there's a lot of that. And got it. Uh, then how do you give corrections? So, oh. for example, remember I said to them the world's black and white. Yep. So if I say that's wrong, you just told them that how they see the world is incorrect, oh. or. And by the way, it isn't how they see the world, how they see how the world is. See, we don't, yeah. none of us sees the world. That is the world. Right. <laughs> so you've right. just told them the world isn't, you know, the, and it's all very confusing. So you don't yeah. ever, you try and avoid saying no or that's wrong, but there's ways of giving feedback, saying, okay, the consequences of the what you did are this. Is that good? Probably not. Oh, here's a different way of doing it that doesn't have that consequence. Oh, now I understand. Thank you. And what's interesting is the managers all say, this is good stuff. I should use this with all my employees.
0: I was just going to ask, what lessons are there in that for for managers to be able to take to all the employees within their facility? Exactly. And by the way, the...
1: uh, So to finish your question about how do you select clearly um access you know where it's located a lot of these kids are are living at home because they can't afford to live anywhere else so you generally got to be accessible generally an hour or something like that generally either by car or public transportation eventually they'll have their own car they'll be choosing where to live and, and that's what happens but initially that's it um they they look also for, you know, what is the culture of the organization? Mm-hmm. Is this a friendly place? You know, mm-hmm. is it a place that I feel comfortable? Are they welcoming me? Are they friendly? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think those are, what, what's the, what are the opportunities for advancement? You know?
0: Um, so they're and, looking for the same thing that everybody else is. Uh, yeah, when it comes with the to little employment. additional stuff. Yeah. But, but yes. Um what was the other? oh,
1: I know what the other thing is that people often the, ma- the manufacturers wonder um, or one of the advantages they may not be aware of when you hire a uniquely able graduate uniquely able academy graduate and we're in all for inclusion. these are not separate uh, yeah. workplaces they're sitting standing working right next to people neur- neurotypicals if you will yeah what is interesting is that without doing anything other than bringing them in and treating them right and, and doing these things I've suggested, the morale and the productivity of the entire workforce goes up. Really, um, at one of our early um, the early pilot projects, and I was good friends with the CEO, and he and I had sushi every three months, and so <laughs> he was uh, at that point he was hiring people. Uh, for jobs that did not require prior training. So he was okay. hiring people for inventory, et cetera, et cetera. So I asked him, how's it going? And he said, it was the best business decision of my life. Wow. That's powerful. I, I said, unbelievable. How How? was how that? How? And he said, look, I hired three people at minimum wage. I did you know, essentially no very little training or prep. Yep, And the morale and the productivity of my, my I think it was about five, either three or four or 500 people, company wow. went up. He said, not bad. And we tried, we said, now I'm not a scientist in this area, but we said, okay, how come? Because this is now, is a result that is very predictable across yeah. that. And so here's what I think. I think, first of all, um. By the way, we tell our companies, don't make a big announcement. We are uniquely able people. We don't right. want to do that. You put them through the standard onboarding. You know, you've got to take into account how you speak, and transitions are very hard. But sure. still, you don't make a big deal. But yep. the workforce knows. You know, you can tell. Absolutely. You know, you can tell if somebody's got autism, especially yeah. when you're working with them every day. And what's interesting is the Workforce, if you had made a $3,000 contribution, the workforce was, oh, ah, well, okay, I hope it doesn't come out of my salary and you'd get back to work. But they see somebody that has, that every day this company has provided somebody with a job. And by the way, it's a needed job. They're not, They're not taking it away from anybody. Right. And what we found is just about everyone, there's no more than one or two degrees of separation from somebody with a diagnosis, it's pretty quite amazing. And yeah. so they say, well, you know, it's not my relative they're handling, it, but they're doing something good for somebody like my relative. Yep. And I hope somebody's doing it for my relative. So Absolutely. they feel very proud of their company, yeah. and the morale goes up from that. Another do, reason. Huh?
0: Uh, sorry, just real quick. Yeah. With those situations, uh, do do those. People who say, you know, I wish that was my relative, or or it, it could. Uh, have there been instances where they then are able to get their relative or or the person that is in their life into one of the the uniquely able academies? Maybe
1: I don't know. Okay. With with, with, the, sure. with the number of people out there, I'm operating At, one or two levels away from. Sure. university. Yeah. See, it's important to note that the uniquely able project doesn't provide services directly to the kids. Right. That's our, and I did, that's deliberate. We are Johnny Appleseeds. We're going out there and helping establish Uniquely Able Academies, the facilities that do service these kids. And the reason is, is because, you know, 80 million people, if you're going to solve an 80 million person problem, which I intend to do, then your solutions better be scalable. Yeah. And it's not scalable if your organization is providing the services. Because you know, you gotta raise a lot of money and you gotta have a lot of different places. But if we are going out there to existing locales and helping them be efficient and effective providers of these services, that we can do a lot. And that's what we've done. We have a very small organization. I mean, there's only a handful of us that are actually you know, doing the work. Wow. I mean, a lot of supporters. Yeah. So, um, let's see. So, the reason the the benefits, so that's one. Another thing is the reason the morale productivity goes up is, uh, as I mentioned, these kids are really appreciative of having a job. Yeah. You, you got to be aware that their life isn't like yours and mine. They have been told, most of them from a very early age, there's something wrong with them. They're, they're, they're disabled, they're handicapped, they're shuttled aside into special groups, they're jeered at, they're made fun of by their peers, you know, the other kids in the, in the, in the schools. Yep. They're told that they've got very small chances of ever earning a living, uh, et cetera, et cetera. They really are shell-shocked by the time they get to us. Um, So they're very thankful and very appreciative of having this job. It's actually a job they love and it's so natural. So they come to work with a big smile on their face. (laughs) And it's really, really hard to complain when the guy next to you has autism. And he's having a great time,
0: <laughs> you know. So that's a there, great point. That might that, be the quote of the episode, Ivan. Uh, it's that I I just need to remember to isolate that one. Right. Uh, that was a good one. <laughs>
1: and there's probably a third thing we thought of, and that is, as I mentioned, these people are black and white in general, and they tend to to want the they they tend to want the world organized. They hate mess. Sure. So you don't have to tell them, but, you know, they walk down the hall and they see something on the floor that shouldn't be there. They'll pick it up. Okay. If a picture is tilted, they'll stop and straighten it out. So he said, it's real hard to do messy work in my company when you got an impeccable environment. <laughs> <You're> really <laughs> it really uh, is. You know, so um, there's a couple of reasons why the company is great, you know, and-, That's and Really, it's, it, and the employers that have hired our graduates have all said it was a great thing. You know, their yeah. morale and productivity went up. They hired great employees that wanted to learn, that are great at what they're doing. Um, yeah. So instead of uh, hire the handicap, and be a good community citizen and, you know, all that kind of charity conversation. Right. Um, it's a business in which they see this as being a real benefit to the company. I love it. Yeah, uh, we absolutely don't tell love people, it. don't hire our graduates out of some community obligation. Sure. Because that lasts you know, a finite time. Hire them because you're going to make money from them. Yeah. It's like any employee.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ivan, uh, so walk us through the process of of getting an Academy set up um, recently. I've been uh, thrilled and by the time this airs, uh, we'll already have the 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 gala uh, for skill up here in Arizona. Uh, we're, we're able to make the announcement that we do have an intent from Gateway Community College here in Arizona to start a uniquely abled Academy. Uh, so fortunate to have, Uh, people who have the resources to make that happen here, uh, make an impact here in Arizona. But go through some of the process and and what it takes to get this academy set up for those people out there who are interested in in maybe saying something up on their own.
1: Great. Um, You don't have to be anything special to get one to be the seed. Uh, You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to be the CEO of a company. You don't have to be the president of a community college. You don't have to be any of those things, although (laughs) all those people have helped. The UAAs in Milwaukee and in Bridgewater, Massachusetts, the seed were parents. Wow. They called me, I remember this uh, mother in Plymouth, Massachusetts called a number of years ago and said, my son's 22 years old, I think your Uniquely Able Academy would be perfect for him. We're not moving to California. What should I do? <laughs> and I said, okay, here's what there is to do. You know, and what you have to do is find out is there a demand for CNC operators? Yeah, and you can do that by checking Indeed uh, or the uh, you know any of the, those boards. Uh, you uh, you got to find is there CNC machine training taking place in your area? Yeah, is there a community college? Easy to do, Google this, and you got to make sure there's a supply of people with autism in your area, and here's the, you know, the organizations that you might call to find that up. Okay. Do that, and call me back. Two weeks later, she calls me back. Here's the results. I said, great, you know, <laughs> you're, you're in. Okay, here's what we do next, and I walked her through it. And now there's an academy in Bridgewater, Mass. Same thing happened in Milwaukee. Um, and that's basically what there is to do. If you don't know what else to do, call us, call me, okay. and, or email me, and we walk you. But it's, it's asking those first questions. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, if all that comes back, yes, then we've got to recruit um, an education facility, usually a community college. That's already doing CNC machine training, sure. Uh-huh. And we got to recruit them to host the academy. Um, now, what's this is really a win-win-win for everybody involved. <laughs> Community colleges um, ha, and universities have, in for example, California, have experienced a thirty percent drop in applications. Wow! And as a result, well, because as a result of the pandemic, people said, first of all, I'm not sure, you know, I'm I'm not sure the job I was heading for is the one I want. And I'm not sure I need to pay for an advanced education to make a lot of money or to do what I want to do. Yeah. And so a lot of people are skipping higher education. So yeah. the community colleges in particular are, hey, we need students. Here's a universe, a brand new universe. Of potential yeah. students, another advantage for a community college, they're funded by the state government, right. and and uh, that's why the tuitions are usually lower than much. Yeah, you know, you look at a private university or even a state university. Yeah. Um, but so the people funding them have said, "Look, we want to return on our money." And that's employment. You know, we don't, we're not interested in English lit courses anymore. We want, we want your programs to end up with a person having a job. Now, part of it, of course, is, I would say to step back, there's two jobs to a community college. One is what I just said to prepare people to go into work. And the other is to transfer to a university. So I didn't want to forget that part. Yeah. so the 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 funding wants them to be successful on both those areas and now they put in a lot of new requirements to do that well sure. the uniquely able Academy is perfect um, wow. because you first of all it goes directly to a job yeah. and also government wants wants um, there's more emphasis on the populations which are having trouble you know economic yeah. right um the ones that aren't that haven't gotten a, 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 an equal shake maybe yeah. uh, even veterans you know yeah. coming back into the workforce so the government wants these community colleges what are you doing for these special populations well again uniquely able academy is perfect yeah. and of course it's great for publicity in your local area as a community college to say here's what we're doing yeah. so it's um for a lot of reasons and of course this one helps with the um, local uh, company support because you're you're really serving the companies. So the state, the community colleges are very happy and very well because it really yeah. helps them. Um, and that's one of the reasons why um, you can help recruit the community college. So you get our community college on board and then, um, and we walk them through every, this whole business. That's what we do is, okay. you know, we know exactly how to do this. We don't run the academy. We don't own the academy. We don't fund the academy. We are consultants. By the way, I should stop for a moment. You don't fund the academy, where's the money come from? Because it's free to the trainees. And wow. all 140, been absolutely free. And there was a reason for that. And as I said, I have two kids with autism. Yeah, um, They're now in their mid-20s. But when we started, when we discovered that when they were two, three, and four years old, nobody knew anything about autism. They didn't know what caused it. They didn't know what to do about it. And they didn't know if you could cure it. Um, And so there was all this stuff that came out. And if you're a parent of a kid with autism, you try everything. And we spent thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands on stuff. And I don't know to this day where it worked or not. But I said, I'm not going to be one of those programs that takes money out of the pockets of a parent of a family with autism. So it's going to be free. So the question is, well, how does it get to be free, right? Who pays? Well, who pays is in general the vocation education department of the state. And they do it with a smile. Why? (laughs) Well, because... Their job is what? To help their, the people that are having problems um, with either because of medical or yes. physical or historic um, issues, help them get jobs. And they want career jobs. you know this isn't just summer jobs. Right. So that's what the Vrie rehabs are all about. Well, the truth is to have a real career job, you need to get an education. Right. Sure. I mean, that's the, and so they need training facilities. Well, I just said at the beginning, there's almost no successful ones out there. Right. So they're frustrated. They got the money, they got the clients, they hear from the companies, we got the openings, but the training between the two of them is missing. Well, yeah. they look at the vocational, the, the uh, uniquely able project, and generally for three to five thousand per student you're talking. That's what it costs all in. Yeah. You look at them and say with almost a hundred percent probability for three to five thousand you can close the case on this person. That's in the noise level. Yeah. In California, where it's where I live, the Department of Rehab is our biggest supporter. They really. want us to open more uniquely able academies because it solves a problem for them. Right. 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 So that's what I mean by this is a win-win-win for everybody. Absolutely. So to get the process. Yeah, go for it. So the next thing is a small group meets and says, okay, who are we going to invite? Remember, it's multiple organizations to cover those 10 elements. So a small group says together, and what are the organizations we're going to invite to participate to provide those 10 elements? Mm -hmm. They invite them. You have a project team meeting of those elements. You get people involved. Okay, who's going to be on each of the teams? Takes a, and then that project team meets about two about two hours every month, and it takes about six months from the first meeting to the opening of the first class. The last two months of which are usually in consumed in marketing, and mm-hmm. you know, and and bringing people into the into the program. The programs are usually um, a seminar in length. I'm uh, not seminar. A semester in length okay they're full-time usually four to five days a week and uh, they they're eight hour days because we want the kids to get used to an industrial day now they may be working off shift in a late night shift or a second or third shift but we want them getting used to that showing up on time an hour for lunch and so on um it uses exactly the same courses that the community college already has. So we don't try and change the courses except to being done one course a semester. Typically wow. there are four courses all in one semester. So wow. remember you're doing a full, full day. Yeah. And so they're generally taking four courses, no compromise on content, by the way. It's the same content that you normally teach. And generally there'll be those four courses plus a job readiness program. And wow. so that's that's what the education looks like. They graduate, there's a job uh, a job placement. Remember one of the organizations does that. Um, finding a job, finding the opening, teaching the employers how to select because the way they typically select doesn't work. <laughs> and you got to teach them how to do that. Um, and then there's the coaching of the uh, company in the transition because that's the transition is the hard one. There's usually a job coach involved. Um, that maybe typically it's maybe an hour a week for up to six months, and that's wow. about it. Okay, and
0: that's the whole program. Wow, that's that's amazing. And and Ivan, I I can see another benefit to community colleges, and and we saw this here right when we talked with Dave Zamora at Gateway. His classroom's empty all day long, yeah, and so. They've got this beautiful manufacturing lab that sits empty for hours during the day because they're only working at night. They're only doing instruction in manufacturing technology at night at Gateway Community College. So I could see that being a huge benefit for the university because now those, those assets, those, those machines that they have bought, they're running more frequently.
1: And there's a reason, uh, again, I'm not a researcher, I suspect, you know, if you go to the high schools, this, the students aren't talking about, boy, I really want to go into manufacturing. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> They're talking about going <laughs> to work <laughs> for Google or, yeah. you know, some, some of that. That's the hot stuff. They yeah. still think of manufacturing as being something like a dark dungeon somewhere, yep. right? Absolutely. Where people are with whips or something <laughs> dirty and dirty. <laughs> All that—that's kind of, how they picture man manufacturing, and they're stunned when they go into a real manufacturing, which is something uh, like a CNC or machining shop. Absolutely, it's clean, it's perfection, you know, and oh yeah, it's a computer. So, but uh, that's a part of the problem is that the the high schoolers don't think of manufacturing as being a, a, a big goal, yeah, and their parents aren't. Encouraging yeah. them to go into manufacturing because they think of it as a deep, dark dungeon. Yeah.
0: Well, because so, their parents came home dirty and greasy, and they dirty. they remember the days when dad would come home from the factory and he's missing his ring finger because yeah. his wedding ring got caught on a lathe or a press or whatever, and it the it sheared the, the finger off, right? So right. they those parents remember those days, and so they have steered for years now uh out of the the trades and, and now we're in the position we're in uh, with yeah. the skills gap yeah so
1: that's part of it and and so what the community colleges do is okay who can we attract well it's the people that that want to upskill you know maybe already in manufacturing and yeah. want to learn how to be a cnc but when are they available only in the evening in the evening Absolutely. so that's not uncommon to have okay. the machines doing nothing and so we come along and say hey Great! We gotta use your machines all day. We'll
0: fill your lab during the day. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's great, Uh, Ivan. In Arizona, where new legislation has passed, um, and and I know there are programs like this across the country. I'm not sure about California, where there are dual enrollment programs where uh, high school kids can get college credits by attending community college during the day uh, in conjunction with their high school credits. Is there any sort of a pathway that that uniquely abled uh, individuals are able to do uh, a dual enrollment so then they are graduating high school right about the same time that they're finishing the academy a- as well?
1: It depends on the on the particular academy. Remember, okay. we don't run them. Uh, it, right, 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 right. That has happened already. And there it are, um, I'm trying to think, I think it was in Ohio. I'm not sure, but there was an exact case of that where an individual <coughs> was graduating after the Uniquely Able Academy started. I think there was about a month or two overlap. Okay. and asked for permission to dual enrollment, and the high school granted it, and uh, the college was happy with that. Wow. And uh, they, in fact, the high school thought that was great, and they made a big deal about it. Um Absolutely. it was only, that's I think they actually deal. considered it a scholarship to you know that he was getting advanced placement um that's great so yes, the only requirement is that they have to be eighteen by the time they graduate because right. that's the law if you're going to get a job
0: sure But yeah. other than that it's um available to anybody wow that's amazing that's amazing Ivan um Last question for you. What haven't I asked you that you want to share with the listeners today? Uh, I mean, you've covered amazing things. You've, you've walked us through the process. You've shared some great stories. Uh, my favorite is the, the mom out in Plymouth uh, and how she approached you uh, and her comment. I'm not moving to California. That's still one of my favorite anecdotes of yours. But what haven't I asked you today that you want to share with the listeners? We're growing.
1: And we're expanding. So right now, it's autism and CNC machining. That's yeah. just where we're starting. We want to promote, I use it, maybe a revolution, but I think there's probably a better word. You probably have one. <laughs> but we want to shift in the country regarding people that have employment challenges, whether it be physical or sure. mental or um, uh, historic. And see the value to these people rather than what's what's wrong with them, which is how we come at it. Absolutely, That could be a revolution, which is why I encourage people to use the term uniquely able. It it. it changes the conversation. And it It doesn't take a lot to explain to people what you're talking about. I'd rather look and see what people are good at, what (laughs) their advantages is, than what's wrong with them. Look, I can look at what's wrong with everybody. I wear glasses when I drive. Is there something wrong with me? Well, yeah, I don't have the eyesight of somebody who doesn't need glasses. But, I, I mean, that's not all who I am, you know? I mean, I so I think that's the big revolution that we want to promote. So we want to move into um, other diagnoses, other employment challenges, and other vocations, and we'd like other people to pick up the flag, and we'll, yeah. right? Um, So we are already, um, this fall, we're starting a Unique Label Academy for those with autism to program manufacturing robots. That's these one-arm monsters. Yeah. So we're starting and expanding in that area. Um, And do you have a
0: partner for that? I I believe you told me, and I want to give them a shout out here on on, uh, the the podcast. Uh, Yeah. Who's your partner? Three organizations involved, in
1: addition to the state of California, which gave us a grant, yeah, but it's uh, University of Southern California, um, and they are contributing. they they've helped the instructor learn how to do this and all yeah. that. They moved their uh, one armed robot, a universally a universal robotics machine, you are. yeah, yep, great. from <clears throat> south of LA up to north of LA to be used, <laughs> uh, and of course, College of the Canyons, which is providing the uh, the, the instruction. So that's, the, that's that one. We're looking at a couple of vocations after that, um, website management um, oh, wow. and cybersecurity being two that we're looking uh-huh. at. Um, and then we're also looking into apprenticeships. How can we merge what we've we take a standard um, courses in a community college and then add the special sauce of uniquely abled academy. Uh, uniquely able to uh, accommodate those students. Well, we want to do the same thing for apprenticeships. So we're looking at that. And then the other thing is that in manufacturing, there's huge demand for people to do these jobs that do not require prior training, you know, the highly, generally highly repetitive jobs. And so the only thing missing there is um, having people know the manufacturing environment, you
0: know,
1: showing okay. up on the right, how yeah. do you talk and all that stuff. So we are putting together uh, probably be a three to four week program in conjunction with tooling you, they have a certified manufacturing associate, I think is the yeah. name of that training. Yeah. So we're taking that training and modifying it or adding to it to incorporate the uniquely abled aspect And that that will be open to people of a wide variety of diagnoses. You know, our, our pilot project that we did 10 years ago had a student with Downs in. Really? Okay, great. Not for CNC, for something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're moving to that kind of job, those kind of jobs.
0: And um, who knows after that? Wow. Congratulations, Ivan. I, I... I'm a huge fan of, of your, your mission, uh, of your journey. Uh, Again, if you want a t-shirt, uh, let us know, either Ivan or myself. Uh, the the link to Uniquely Abled Project will be in the show notes. Uh, it, for those of you just listening and not visually seeing the video here, I'm wearing my Uniquely Abled t-shirt. Uh, I, I forget that I have to explain that because not everybody's going to be But you should say
1: it's on the t-shirt, though. What's yeah, the
0: word? It, it says, we celebrate minds of all kinds, the Uniquely Abled Project. And it is... Uh, I will tell you, folks, it is the most comfortable material T-shirt that I have ever put on. Uh, So... Thank you very much for the t-shirt. I actually won this before I even connected with Ivan. Uh, I won it through a Instagram contest uh, of all places to win something. That's where I won this t-shirt. And that's what brought Ivan and I together into having this conversation. So Ivan, thank you very much for for being our guest today. It's been uh, a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Jim, thank you very much for giving us this opportunity and for your great support. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, folks, it's been an extraordinary journey that we've been on today. We've dove into the world of the Uniquely Abled Project with Dr. I forgot to mention that earlier, Dr. Ivan Rosenberg, from exploring the challenges that may exist, integrating those with autism into the world of precision manufacturing to uncovering the actual social impact and vision for the future We've shared an inspiring story and a testament to the human potential. If today's conversation has moved you and you want to discover more stories celebrating innovation and creativity in the manufacturing industry, head over to the themanufacturingculturepodcast.com, dive into our previous episodes, and don't forget to share with your friends who share your passion for manufacturing. And remember, folks, your ratings and reviews help us reach more listeners because every time you review the show on whatever platform you're listening to, that drives us up the charts. So more people discover us when they search terms like manufacturing. Uh, So please rate and review the show. Help us reach more listeners and continue to bring these uh, compelling stories to life. Um, Make sure that you are Always looking for the best in people because human is what makes our industry great. Thank you very much for joining us. And remember, have a great day and keep making things.